1: You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I want to have a barking contest. It's Wes. This is the, the Wes Bulldog Bryant. What you got? Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's so much better. It's the best. And Walker. This is Fitty's Bark. If Fitty was a dog behind a fence, would you enter this cage? Go ahead, Fitty. Show him your bark. <laughs> That was (laughs) sensational. I don't know if I can beat that. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM (laughs) WFNZ.
2: Welcome back, folks, on a Monday. Therapy for your boy, both ways good and bad. This is the Wesley Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ going to the text line. Steve from Salisbury says, I was a Niner fan up until Carolina got a team, I was pulling for them, but knew what the outcome would be before it started. Uh, Chris from the Trey Four said, and Wes, we are beating Duke tonight. Book it, Hunter is on one. Yeah, I hope he continues that. That was a great game. We're about to get to that in the campus corner. And then the 704 number uh, with the hate. Keep the hate coming. We want the text lines lit, whether you want to hate or whether you want to talk your trash, whatever it is, as long as you got that text line lit up. We're loving it. He says, can you talk about the Super Bowl again? I missed Wes crying. I mean, yeah, you know, I took the L. I took my medicine like anybody else, but like the good fan that I am, they call the 49ers fans the 49er faithful. And even though last night I wanted to leave them, but I said, damn it, I'm part of the faithful, and I'm going to be right back in the ride with them next year and the year after that and the year after that. Man, that's just part of being a fan. It stinks. My team has lost three straight Super Bowls, something I never thought it would see. But I'm still part of the faithful, baby. Marriages go through rough spots. They <laughs> do. I mean, nobody said it was true. easy. Yeah.
1: Nobody said it was easy. But you have had a long-standing marriage with San Francisco. where There long. have been three, specifically three painful events. And there have been some painful events along the way. But you've experienced the highs as well. I've so, experienced
2: one high. Thankfully, I was old enough to be able to see that high. Well, I mean, still, unless,
1: I guess we could do the rings culture thing only one high. Ooh. But still, it's still a successful season, right? Yeah,
2: man. But just give me one. I All know. right, man. Let's get to the campus. Kona. I almost thought I had a great prediction in the bag. I picked the Miami Hurricanes to take it to the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they almost did that. They almost did it, but almost only counts in horseshoes, right? Carolina beats the Canes on the road, 75-72. They're now 6-1 and one on the road this year. All in conference play. They committed 16 turnovers that led to 22 Miami points. That was the second most turnovers in a win this season. R.J. Davis gave you 25 points. You got a double-double from Armando Bacot. Elliot Cadeau, I tried to look outside and see if pigs were flying by my window, yep. but they weren't. He hit two three-pointers for the first time this season. They were his first threes in ACC play. They held Miami to 26% from three. It was the 12th time an opponent shot under 30% from three uh, this season. And so when you look at this basketball game, North Carolina gets the job done. They're outscored by Miami in the first half, 41-40, to 40, but they come back and win the second half by four points, and you got some good performances in the second half. R.J. Davis had nine points, even though he was one of ten from the field, but six of six from the free throw line, eight big points from Elliott Cadeau. What do we think of this performance after two losses in three games? Did this instill championship confidence back in Chapel Hill, or are there more worried? there's there's not more worries in my
1: opinion if if they're i don't know how much confidence you have after this win but part of the acc like you're gonna have close victories too and if it is on the road i don't think miami is a great basketball team that's why you're under 500 in conference play and you're only 15 and 9 on the season it's not an ncaa tournament team right now after going 15 and 9 there still is some talent to like make the case for them to be able to stay in it with a team like North Carolina, especially at home. And so sometimes it's just all about surviving on the road for some of the good squads. And we know how hard that is in the ACC. And North Carolina did that over the weekend. It doesn't mean they played extremely well. It doesn't mean that, okay, now I'm all the way back on the championship bandwagon. I don't know if I was ever off of that. My panic meter was turned up just a little bit after the previous loss that they had to Clemson. But it wasn't a ton for me. R.J. Davis, still a little inefficient if he's shooting anywhere but the three-point line. Six of 19, but he was five of 11 from deep. At least you have Armando contributing better. His efficiency is a lot better, which is, I think, a key part in all of this. But North Carolina at least got the win on the road. That's the most important thing, even if they did relinquish a double-digit lead midway through the second
2: half to allow Miami to have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a game. I'm not going to say it's going to give you more worries, but I think teams are in some ways kind of Creating a blueprint to try to beat the Tar Heels, mm-hmm. being physical with RJ Davis, which I think could contribute to some of the inefficiency that you've seen from his shooting. Uh, playing Cadeau. Now, if Cadeau can hit two or six three point field goals, that'll do wonders uh, for that offense because teams are going to have to respect him. Because I find myself again, one time Matthew Cleveland ran to close out on Cadeau at the three point line, and I'm like, what? are you doing and you still shouldn't do it. <laughs> right. said, what are you doing? But Baekye gets you 10 points, 15 rebounds. Harrison Ingram, 13 points, 5 rebounds. Again, that's my X factor for the Hills. When he gives you double digit production, uh hits those threes, I think that's what really makes Carolina's offense hard to deal with because I think, you know, RJ Davis, as I said, he's not the biggest of guys. And I think for him to ask him to carry the load Especially as physical as teams are being with him, I think at some point, you know, you're going to run into that inefficiency, running out of gas, things of that nature. No Chad O'Meara and Nigel Pack both had 20 points. Pack missed the three. They could have tied it. Fitty, what say you about this game? I'm sure it was an emotional roller coaster for you.
3: Yeah, this would have been a tough loss to swallow because Carolina blew a double-digit lead in the first half, and they blew a, effectively a double-digit lead again in the second half because at the under-eight-minute mark, they just quit playing basketball. And I didn't quite understand the game plan, the strategy. Ultimately, you made enough plays down the stretch. And, man, I'm just – I'm not here for the Armando Baycott hate, man. Like, he had 10 and 15. A lot of Carolina fans were trolling and complaining about him in the first half when he just wasn't giving the ball despite establishing position on the post. And then he blocked North Shadow O'Meara to effectively seal and win the game for you. So, at this rate, with the way that top 10 teams are dropping like flies on the road at a historic pace, just win, baby. I don't care how it looks. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's pretty. Just win.
1: Yeah, The Baycott discourse, the the only problem that I had earlier when everybody started to come around on the, hey, man, these numbers look a little bit different. Mine was just, you can't be that good over the course of your career and post the worst efficiency mark worst field goal percentage that you've ever had like you can't be shooting just above 50 if you're that close to the basket and you have other offensive weapons around you and the last few games I haven't blamed Armando Baycott for any of that. You're starting to see him shoot at a higher clip, which is exactly what you should be doing when you're that close to the basket. So I'm cool with Baycott now. Like I thought there was some little bit worthy criticism towards him, but he's playing well. It's really all about, can you hit shots from deep? Cormac Ryan at least hit a couple threes. He was 40% of the five that he took, and that's actually a big deal for Carolina because he's been so cold here recently. North Carolina got nothing from their bench in this game. Like Wojcik was the only guy that even got real run. 18 minutes for Wojcik, and everybody else had under six, including Jalen Washington, who you like. Trimble still being out, I think, is a big deal for them. I think that matters quite a bit. But Baycott right now, yeah, I don't pin this on him. He's playing better.
2: All right. Also an ACC action, my Demon Deacons got a big win over NC State, 83-79. to 79. DJ Horn and Hunter Salas put on a show, folks. Hunter Salas had 33 points on 12 of 17 shooting, six rebounds and a couple of assists. DJ Horn has 31 points on 13 of 21 shooting, uh, three rebounds as well. And I mean, these two, it was like a, it was like a movie. Or like uh, the episode of Fresh Prince when Will went up against Marcus, uh, whatever (sighs) his name was. They were just going back and forth at each other. DJ Horn, man, he's been one of the better transfers that have come into the ACC this year. But Hunter Salas in three out of his last five games has had 20 points or more. Uh, This was a tremendous, tremendous basketball game to watch. Do we think that this was the best game in the ACC yet as far as just the back-and-forth play? And how do we feel about the Demon Deacons going in to Duke tonight?
1: I think to answer your first question yes it was one of the best ACC games that we've seen so far because we had star power we had two fun guards going at it in DJ Horn and Hunter Salas as you mentioned you also got scoring elsewhere like it's not like nobody else contributed for Wake everybody except for Reed who had nine contributed with double figures scoring in this game and you got Burns scoring 14 I really liked that game and then at the end it was just Wake being able to make the plays they needed to in order to come out on Top. Do I expect Wake Forest to win in Duke tonight? Yeah, man, they need a big victory to solidify themselves as a, okay, we're starting to get back on track towards an NCAA tournament run. On the road, I can't pick them because their only win that they've had on the road that matters so far is Georgia Tech, and they destroyed them. But even with Georgia Tech knocking off Duke and North Carolina themselves, I don't know if you're pointing to that win and saying, okay, now Wake Forest is all the way back. Big old win against NC State. I'm going to have them lose tonight against Duke. But Wake Forest is talented, no doubt about it. Like, I could see an upset happening if you were to force me to put my money on it. Yeah, man, I still got to go with the Blue Devils.
2: Yeah, I go split, too. I'm going to go with Duke tonight as well, simply because they played them again on February 24th. And we know what type of team Wake is at home. They've won 13 consecutive home games for the first time since 2013-2014. And so I would love to go into Cameron and get a win. And I'm not saying I think they got no shot. I think they can do it. But with another game in your back pocket against Duke, I always feel like when two pretty good teams play against each other, you're gonna split uh, more than likely. As far as this game, yeah, I thought it was one of the better games of this year. I would have to say as far as games that I've watched, I know people are going to be like, well, Wes, of course you're going to say that because it's Wake, but as far as games that I've watched in the conference this season, for my money, I thought it was the best as far as just two-star players battling it out uh, and just big plays down the stretch. But, Fiddy, what say you about this matchup and Wake against Duke tonight?
3: Yeah, look, I I had your game on the third screen on Saturday because, of course, Carolina, Miami, Gonzaga, Kentucky had the Deeks and Wake Forest. It was fun watching DJ Horn and uh, Hunter Salas go out. It was able. Was glad you guys were able to win, so I'm to fire your head coach. <laughs> I'd really love for y'all to win that, and I'm with you, Wes. I think you're. I think you're capable of it. If you had another road win or two, maybe I'd be more confident. But I don't think going on the road to lowly Georgia Tech and running them out of the gym is a whole lot to be excited about. Well,
2: they did beat Carolina and Duke on that floor, so it's not like it's anything to sneeze at necessarily.
3: Yeah, but, Wes, when Carolina goes to Georgia Tech, tough environment. One of the tougher road uh, environments in the ACC. Wes, this is common knowledge. I know
2: (laughs) it is. My bad. Everywhere (laughs) they go, every city they go, it's a hard road environment.
3: I I think what's more important for you guys tonight, like, yes, you want to win, but if y'all can go there and compete and push Duke 40 minutes – you feel more confident that when they visit Winston-Salem in the return game that you can get them on your home court.
2: And we've seen Pitt come in there and beat them, and we saw Boston College fight with them on Saturday as well, and we'll get to that uh, quickly before we get out. But Walker, your Charlotte 49ers bounce back 73-70. to 70. They shoot 49% from the field. Get the job done. Luke I. Patterson came back in a big way, 6-12 shooting. Three of five from three-point land with three assists on the evening. How did you feel about your 49ers bouncing back?
1: We were talking about roller coasters. It's a roller coaster game. How <laughs> about 212 left? Charlotte was up 70 to 62. They were up eight points, and then Temple, the worst team in conference, by the way start slow not even so slowly to be honest with you because you didn't have a whole lot of time to work with but you hit a couple of free throws charlotte was fouling and then temple was able to make that a two-point game after a layup made at the 32nd mark i'm just glad Lukai patterson kept hitting his free throws like those were big free throws and then milicic missed the last one to allow temple to have a shot at it at the end and it was close it goes begging but i just need charlotte to hold on to their leads and they haven't been able to do that the last two games big lead against south florida and when you play the other best team in conference if you allow them to come back they just might win it you got lucky against temple and they're not one of the best teams in conference but it used to be the exact opposite right charlotte was the team that was coming back from such a big deficit it now they're relinquishing that they need to figure that out but you know Aaron Fern has 100% earned every Charlotte 49er fan's trust and I expect him to get back, but yeah, I just need these last two games for them to win and hold on to their leads a little bit easier.
2: Yeah, I think with them losing such a big emotional game, them coming back and winning on the road, I think that says a lot about the character of this basketball team because a lot of teams could have gone into the tank and, you know, just felt like, man, you know, are we really as good as we thought we were? But for them to come back and do what they did on the road, definitely salute to the 49ers. And I think their success is going to continue. Fitty, you got any thoughts on the 49ers?
3: Just glad for Walker's sake that he's got a winning team to talk about. And they're 9-2 and two in the league now, Walt? 10-2. and 10-2. and two. Yep,
1: 10-2 and two right now. So we're excited you. about that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well,
3: you. as we get ready to go out of the break, a, a couple of other
2: teams that won this weekend, Clemson did go on the road and defeat Syracuse in a crazy game. Syracuse almost came back a couple of times. They got the job done. App State got a win. And then Duke took care of BC, uh, even though BC was feisty in the first half. But they came back and dominated them as we thought that they would. And just some house cleaning. Fitty. you'll be happy to know you're right. I'm sorry.
1: It actually is 9-2 to go ahead and correct that. And so Fitty, the college basketball savant, I'll know my place now.
3: Just say it again. You're no, right.
1: you know, one, time, one time was enough
3: <laughs> alright well when we
2: come back which Super Bowl free agent would Panthers fans want most that and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ McDonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, Crispy, Juicy Fried Chicken Buttery Bun Unmatched Pickle to Chicken Ratio Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispie.
0: Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips.
1: Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And a big shout out to everybody who hung out with us at the Michelob Ultra watch party on Friday night at Graham Street Pub and Patio. Mick Ultra put on a watch party where we got to see the Hornets yeah, get beat down by the Milwaukee Bucks. It was a perfect storm of beat down. We had the team trading players. So, they didn't even have the old guys like PJ Washington. They didn't have, they never have Gordon Hayward. So, that wasn't all that different. They didn't have Terry Rozier, which we've been getting used to for a little while. But the other thing is, they didn't get the players that were supposed to be coming in return. So, no Grant Williams, no Meechich, no Trey Mann, no Bertans, no nothing, no nothing. And they got beat by 40. And yeah, JT Thor got sham god by Thanassus Attentacumpo, not Giannis. If you get Sham God by Giannis, then okay. But he got sham-guided by Thanasis, Wes. It was brutal to watch. I'm sorry to see that happen to JT Thor. But other than that, it was a great time. And we drank a ton of Mick Ultra. That was a lot of fun. We gave away some of the awards. Like, my buddy actually won a Mark Williams Charlotte Hornets hat. So that was cool. We had plenty of other people win tickets that Michelob Ultra was giving away to future Charlotte Hornets games. And I just want to give a shout-out to everybody that showed up. Like, specific shouts. Including to Sean... Sean showed up late and Sean me and him were hanging out at the bar and we were talking big shoe game Wes, to be honest with you did not realize that there was somebody out there that might understand shoes more than you and David Walker, who are yeah. the guys that I go to. Sean was wearing the cool grays and he said, yeah, I got about two rooms full mm. of Jordan's and all sorts of different shoes. And so I got to learn a lot from him. He was a lot of fun to hang out
3: with. <laughs> was I the only one that had a mental image of what the shoe rooms look like? Like, do you have shoe racks with all the shoes or like? I want to know, Sean, if you're listening, you can yeah, text in just out. as
1: much as everybody. 704 570 9610. Real cool from the West Coast. Likes Oregon. And so, of course, when you have the shoe game, you got the special like the Oregon type shoes. I know they're hard Doug to get joins, from the players, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So he was real cool to talk to. Big shout to Chelsea. Not only a fan of WFNZ, but a fan of Lockdown Hornets. So I got to talk to her about the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. And she talked about hanging out with, not hanging out. I'm sorry. That is not true. She saw Steve Clifford at the grocery store the other time, or one, you know, like the other week or mm-hmm. so. And she was talking about how, like, when you see a celebrity out like that, like, do you go up and talk to him? Do you just want to leave him be, but you do really want to talk to him? And so, like, how do you handle that? I was like, yeah, I'm, I usually. Just say, "Cool, I'm gonna let them do their thing, and I'm gonna leave them be." But I, I do want to go up and say something to some of these people that I'll see every now and then, like Steve Clifford. I want to go over and talk to him. What was he shopping for? Did she say?
3: No, I don't <laughs> think she did say. Because Borrego, you know, he was grosser. at the store to get to get to get the wine. I wonder what Clifford was That's, there for. Probably trying <laughs> to get a, a box out or a defensive rebound. That's probably true, too,
1: just anybody. And, and, <laughs> and Steve Clifford was telling us that, being happy about Grant Williams. You're the kind of guy that will just go ahead and say something. Yeah, somebody, man.
2: Right? I mean, I think that that comes with the territory yeah. of being a celebrity. You know, people see us out. Not that we're big celebrities by any stretch of the imagination, but people approach yeah. us when we're out and tell us, you know, what they think. And I, and I think it depends on what your intent is of the interaction and what you're trying to do. I mean, if you want to go up, hound them, like, yo, let's – You know, take a picture. I need an autograph or this, that, and a third. And there's no pleasantries exchanged. Because most of the time, if I go up and say something to somebody, for one, I'm going to go show love. Like, I'm going to go tell them that I appreciate what they do and different things of that nature. And then we'll have a chat that way. And then if there's an opportunity or I feel like that the vibe is right to maybe get that picture or get that autograph. I'll do that. But I think if people are, you know, just out to try to bother somebody just for the heck of it. But no, I, I think that when you make yourself a public figure that that comes with it and people don't get many opportunities to come up and tell you their thoughts or what they think of what it is that you do. And as long as you're being positive and showing love like that, I don't see a problem with it.
1: All right. There's the breakdown from Wes on what <laughs> happens when you see a celebrity in public. Big shout to Jersey Mike as well, who had a sick 88 um, oh, Charlotte Hornets jersey because that was, of course, the start of their existence. And so to see the 88 jersey was really cool. And Jersey Mike, by the way, had a great story about how he became a Charlotte Hornets fan. He said he and his son in Philadelphia saw Charles Barkley acting like a fool on the court. And his dad said, man, you're going to pull for Charles Barkley like that? And he said, man, I had to set a good example. So I started pulling for the Hornets. You know, I'm sorry that I ended up being the Hornets, but still a good story from Jersey Mike. Herman Photography, my man. Hung out all night watching the Charlotte Hornets, beat down and all, and yes, possibly, possibly hooked us up with a Pastor Troy Connect. And we've talked about Pastor Troy before. <laughs> and if we have a chance to get Pastor Troy on these here airwaves, I will be a very happy man talking music and Atlanta sports. That's fine, too. But if we have a chance to talk to Pastor Troy, I'll be a happy guy.
2: No doubt about it. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorite rappers. I met Pastor Troy at Summerfest way back when, when my mom was an employee at the radio station, uh, then at, at Power 98, et cetera. So he and I got to chat for a while uh, backstage because my mom actually had talked to him first. And she had told him how she thinks, you know, he he does a bit too much cussing and too much <laughs> stuff like that in the in the lyrics. And yeah. so, you know, uh, he, he got a kick out of that. But then I got to come back there and hang out with him. I was in college uh, at the time. And so, you know, I just kind of talked to him about Georgia, the Bulldogs and things of that nature. That's why I said I think if we want to time it with an event. I think Atlanta week for the Panthers could be a a, a cool time to get Troy on. But like I said, man, we can get him on at any time to talk uh, sports and music.
1: It it would be great to have him on. Last couple of shout outs here. Um, We did get a chance to see Sirloin Beef, wild as ever. We appreciate him for showing up as he does all the time, giving us some promotional videos too. Got to see the Dancing Hornets Usher. We saw a celebrity, and I did the very thing that I usually don't, but I asked him for a T-shirt. I said, Mr. Dancing Usher. I will pay for a T-shirt, but he said, no, I'm going to give you one. He gave Fiddy a T-shirt, and so that was cool to see him as a local celebrity. would like to have him on, too, just having guests all over the place. And final shout-out to Jalen, who showed up a little bit later on in the evening as well. But, Wes, what Jalen told us was the happiest, I think, me and Fiddy got all night. He said that my mom, big shout to Ms. McClurkin and that class, they participate in War Cry Wednesday with us. That's you, dope.
2: I heard what you okay, said. Okay, okay. I just wanted yeah, to say yeah. I, I heard know. what you said. No, no, no. It's always cool when you get those interactions with the fans. And I heard that there was a a, a uh, War Cry Wednesday story. What was it?
1: That was it. That Ms. McClurkin and her class participates in War Cry Wednesday with us.
2: That's pretty cool. I know the kids. They love any chance they can get to be able to yell and scream and act a fool, man, because I know how my son is and some of his... Classmates, so i know anytime they can get a chance to let off in class like that they're gonna be here for it. so listen man we can be for the kids like Wu Tang right.
1: too that's right we are like Wu. i i like that i like that slogan wes and walker like wu-tang we're here for the children that's right sports radio 92 <laughs> 7 wfnz i wanted to give those shouts because we really appreciate everybody that shows up we're going to be doing uh, doing it again i'm not sure where at this point But Michelob Ultra going to be putting on another watch party at some point. So come out and hang out with us again or do it for the first time. We would love to see you because we enjoy getting to meet the people that support this show so much. Let's talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl and maybe how the Super Bowl, Kansas City, San Francisco. How could they affect the Carolina Panthers here, Wes? Because when it comes to the staying power, you look at both of these squads. Flounder was in here talking about how many free agents Kansas City has. San Francisco has the benefit of having a QB that doesn't have a big contract right now. And because of that, they get to pay a lot of different people like Nick Bosa, like whatever. Right. I mean, you guys have just a filthy roster up and down the board. And so that's what allows you to do that when you have Brock Purdy playing well. And also it allows to you to pay. Right. Right. So, man, it. what are some of the free agents you look at here? that as a 49er fan, you could start with your home squad if you want to. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the free agents that, of course, you would like San Francisco to keep, but that you also think would be maybe a good fit here in Carolina and these other teams need to be looking to go steal some of these assets away from Super Bowl squad?
2: Well, the thing is, you know, when you look at these teams and you look at the 49ers, most of their top guys are under contract. So they don't have any real big ticket items that are going to hit the market. It's going to depend on what they're going to do with Chase Young, what he's going to command uh, and things of that nature. But I think if you want to look at uh, a guy from the 49ers that could be a nice bargain pickup uh, for this team I think you could look at maybe a guy that came out of South Carolina Javon Kenlaw. now he hasn't been necessarily a tremendous contributor for the 49ers he's had some injuries uh, he had a two-year span between 2021 and 2022 where you only get 10 games played in there but this season he played in all 17 he started six games he had three and a half sacks Uh, and four tackles for loss, six quarterback hits. And so this is a guy that could maybe be that defensive end on the other side uh, of Derrick Brown in this 34 defense. Uh, That could be a guy that could help you out a lot. And then as I look over at the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, another guy, because they've got some big ticket items that are going to hit free agency, whether you talk about LeJarrius Sneak, Chris Jones, some of those guys got to think Chris Jones probably gets the tag. But I think his, wasn't the deal that he signed with Kansas City, the language in there was saying that he will not be tagged this year. He he signed the deal contingent upon him, not we'll get our research team on that. But um and then LeJarius Snee. So they're gonna have to make a choice. One of those two is going to hit free agency. And if I was the bet, I would probably say LeJerius Snee. I don't think that's a great fit For Carolina to go and get him. I mean, he's a really good player on the back end, but I just, you know, sometimes defensive backs, when they get out of systems, it can be tricky the way they perform when they go elsewhere. But I look at a guy that I feel like plays a little bit more of a bankable position. I look at a guy like Drew Tranquil uh, in there, 6'2, 235 pounds. Maybe he could be a linebacker that you could go and poach. Uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at what he did two years ago, his last year with the Chargers, he goes for 146 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, five sacks, and then he gets to Kansas City uh, this year, where he starts eight games out of 16, uh, but he still finishes with 78 tackles, four and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits, so I go to the defensive side of the ball on both teams, Uh, you also have, well, I won't Take because I know you may have a guy that may be an offensive player that you are no, go good. with. You're good. But, Keep rolling. Um, you know, just picking one guy from each side. I go to the defense on both sides. I think Tranquil's a guy that could help you out a lot at linebacker. Uh, and I also think Javon Kinlaw's a guy that could be very serviceable on the other side of that 34 defense. What
1: would be crazy is if Javon Kinlaw and Derek Brown were on the same team after – That was kind of the battle at the top. It always felt like Derrick Brown was going to be the first defensive tackle off of the board. But remember, both of those guys coming out of the same draft. There were some that liked Kinlaw more than Derrick Brown, and it was because of Kinlaw having this better skill set to rush the passer more so than Derrick Brown, who was viewed as a run stuffer pretty immediately. And so if those guys played on the same team, that would be interesting. Here's something else too. Like when we're just talking about free agents, I guess I'm not looking really specifically at Kansas city and San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but I was looking at underdog, Josh Norris, uh, Hayden, uh, I'm winks, I believe. Mm -hmm. So they were talking about the free agent list, top 10 at each position. And it's interesting Wes, because you have a couple of free agents on this Panther squad that are atop the list for some of these uh, groups. They have Frankie Louvu as the number one rated linebacker free agent in the NFL. Levante David is second. Patrick Queen is third. Now, both of those guys were higher draft picks. Levante David is just older. I imagine that's an age thing between mm-hmm. Louvu and David and where they're playing right now. But Luvu, if you need linebacker help, and Louvu is the best linebacker free agent that's out there right now, then you would think it would just be smart to try to keep him as much as you possibly can. And so there's one decision you have to make. Brian Burns is the second best edge of any other guy that you could bring in. Some of the guys on that list, according to Underdog, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Daniil Hunter, Bryce Huff, and then number five on that list, it's Chase Young, who played better in the Super Bowl than he had in previous postseason games. And it was more so rushing the passer, but at least he showed up, right? Like, And so I wonder... What they're going to do with Brian Burns is going to be a monster question all off-season long. And if they do bring back Brian Burns, and they do give Derek Brown an extension, and they do bring back Frankie Luvu, you also have Lajarius Need as that second corner. You talked a little bit more about him, man. Like, how much money is there going to be left over to spend on multiple other free agents defensively, mm-hmm. and how much of that is going to happen offensively? Because that still is the number one priority. It's to help Bryce as much as possible. You got the coaching staff in place, check. Now you got to get the players, and you're going to have to spend a lot of money to try to help them, and you're going to have to hit on these drafts.
2: So do you look at a guy like, and I would say off the San Francisco side, I would bet for you probably Jawan Jennings would be the guy you could pinpoint and say, this is a guy I would want to see in Carolina? Well, I, I do like
1: Jawan Jennings. I wonder, I, I love him. I just think if you bring in Jawan Jennings, he's so good after the catch, but Wes, what have we wanted so badly here? with some of these other weapons. It's, we've wanted separation. And Juwan Jennings is, you know, all right, so if you have what? McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, all as higher priorities in the passing game. I mean, it goes to show the embarrassment of riches that San Francisco has in the passing game. It's absolutely ridiculous. As much as I like Jennings, and as much as he almost won Super Bowl MVP yesterday, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. If San Francisco wins, I think Jennings gets it. I really do. So, even despite that happening, I would still say you probably want to spend your money towards separation or guys that are, what, top two options on their squad? And that's no shade to Jennings. I'd still like to have him. I just don't know how much he's going to be asking for. And if that fits into a, okay, now you go out there and you play second-best wide receiver— I just don't know if I feel comfortable taking that risk to see if he could take that well, kind of this, jump.
2: And this was a guy that had, during the regular season, 19 catches for 265 yards and a score. Now, we know, like you said, you talk about how loaded that offense is. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for the third receiver in the pecking order to go over the Debo, the IU, the um, Kittle. Then you also consider Juice, CMC as receivers as well. So how much do you look at that and say, here's a guy you could get at a bargain rate that you sign him to a decent deal and he hasn't really had a chance to really show people what he can do because all he did in San Francisco was make timely catches, especially in traffic, tough guy, 50-50 ball. And yeah, what he's lacking in separation, he still can run pretty good routes. He'll go up and catch the 50-50 ball and he's really good after the catch. I think that this is a guy that if he goes to another place where he's going to have higher priority, you can see those numbers probably triple. Uh, you know, he this is a guy that I think is more than capable of being a 70-catch type of guy, 70, 80 catches. I think for Carolina, you could maybe get him uh, on the cheap and bring him in. I mean, this is a guy, what, he can't command more than, what, five, six million, if that. Maybe that's
1: true. The top ten wide receivers, according to Underdog, T. Higgins, number one, Michael Pittman Jr., Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Calvin Ridley, Darnell Mooney, Gabe Davis, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel. That's the top ten.
2: So that's what I'm saying. You can get him at next to nothing.
1: That might be true. I think you... It doesn't necessarily matter the order, I guess. But I think Panthers fans would certainly like to see them address number one wide receiver as much as possible. But Jawan
2: Jennings would – And this was a guy that you could maybe get in combination with somebody. But also, too, I would ask you, I saw some stuff floating around when you talk about the Chiefs and what they've got to offer and you look at it from an offensive perspective. I mean, a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is that a guy – that's another guy you could get at probably bargain prices – to be able to come in and be a dual threat back for you, uh, and and maybe take a fly on him on a two year deal, paying him, you know, maybe three to four million a year, something like that. I mean, I, I. You said how much for? Maybe three, four, something like that. I, I would say maybe I'd say his deal would probably be in a three to four million range a year. That sounds that sounds like
1: too much to me. <laughs> well, I mean, look, we well. How about what did Foreman get? Right, like uh, I'm not, it's not even just disrespect. It's just trying to compare him to what the market is. Deontay Foreman had less than a million dollars guaranteed, and Deontay Foreman was a better running back. You know, like Kansas City. How many carries did edwards Hilaire get? He got one. He got. Yeah, he got
2: seventy carries on the season. So yeah, I mean, a number so, to me I'm that could about. be even cheaper, and you could probably get this guy. I'm just not one I, or two mil.
1: That's fine. If if Kansas City is creating all, they drafted him in the first round. They had big incentive no to try to make that work, and. Instead, they're riding with undrafted guys like Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon after three surgeries and five different stops. Mm -hmm. There was always somebody else that they wanted to ride with more so than Edwards Hilaire, and they drafted him in the first round. Like, I just – if it's not working with Kansas City, Andy Reid being the running back whisperer that he is, I'm not sure – that I'm wanting that guy because he's not even really all that dynamic that's either a fair point. And, and, and if that's the case, then I'd rather probably go somewhere else, but we'll see. They got a lot of moves to make offensively, defensively to try to get anywhere close to what Kansas city and San Francisco are out here doing. We got a couple more segments to go. We have another hour here. We'll be up with you until 3 PM until the Kyle Bailey show takes over. Let's go back to the Charlotte Hornets conversation. Who are the GM candidates and how did you, like what the new additions did for the Charlotte Hornets team. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ.
2: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on them at Crispy juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah. They know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com.
1: walker back at it on sports radio 92 7 wfnz we asked you about the mitch kupchak move in case you didn't know earlier today it was reported rod boone had it of the charlotte observer adrian wojnarowski also writing about it on espn that mitch kupchak would be indeed stepping down from his gm role and stepping into an advisory role effective immediately and we're gonna see gay plot just back off And Rick Schnall starts the search for a new GM. And I guess I should say effective immediately in the sense that they're going to be beginning the search immediately. And then whoever they find as the new GM, he'll take that role, I think, before even the season ends, according to Woj, what he writes on ESPN. And so Mitch Kupchak no longer going to be the new general manager or excuse me. No longer going to be the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets team, and they will be looking for a new GM. And they're doing that as we speak. We can go to the text line about some of your Hornets thoughts. And you had nine eight zero write in. Um, oh, excuse me, that was this is Sean writing in. Sean writes in after we gave him a shout out at the Hornets watch party. Thank you for the shout out. Got all the shoes organized and preserved. Can't go in like that and have them beat. Yeah, that's true. You don't want to do that. So I appreciate Sean for coming out and hanging out and talking shoes with me. He put me up on a lot of game. Here's JJ writing in about the Charlotte Hornets. Got to give Mitch props for drafting Brandon Miller when we were all shouting scoot. Looks like he made the right choice by far. Well, this is the thing, too. This is part of the problem with that organization for a while. We never knew who was making these decisions. And there was always a real it was Panthers-esque probably on a minor level ever since David Tepper took over. But there were so many figureheads within that organization that could conceivably be calling the shots. And so Michael Jordan, reports are that Michael loved him some Brandon Miller. I don't know if Mitch Kupchak wanted Scoot. Mitch Kupchak probably wanted Brandon Miller too. But we know Michael Jordan wanted Brandon Miller. We know LaMelo Ball wanted Brandon Miller. If you took that into consideration then that choice was already made. And right now, yes, you're winning that by leaps and bounds with what Brandon is doing compared to what Scoot is doing in Portland. He's hurt even again. So that would be something nice to see. But, Wes, like, I don't I don't think we're going to have that problem anymore. Like, I, I believe, just based off what we've seen so far, Jake Fisher telling us that they're in information-gathering mode for the last year, it feels like Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall Are going to hire this next GM and let him call the shots? Even if they were the driving force on the new era coming up? That makes sense to me. New ownership coming in and saying, hey, do something this time. Trade something. We got to do something bigger than Brad Wanamaker. It's ingrained in my brain. I can't get it out. I know. We got to do something more than that. And they did. And they did a great job. And so I think that's okay to have that kind of direction from ownership when you're making that big of a move. But it's not like Rick Schnall is on the phone with Mark Cuban, in my opinion, saying, hey, first-round pick, what are you thinking for P.J. Washington? That all is when Mitch Kupchak stands in. Whoever they hire as the next general manager, Wes, I do have some hope and I do have this feeling that they're going to allow the basketball guy to do the basketball thing.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And I think that obviously they tasked Ms. Kupchak with going out and making those moves before it's all said and done. But the thing that you're excited about the most is that you feel like this ownership group has a true thirst for winning and they really want to bring a winning product to Charlotte. And I think that's the start. That's the start of it all. Do you want to win? Do you want to see this city thrive do you want to see this fan base rewarded uh for their loyalty and sticking by this team through the hard times and so i think when you have an ownership group that's dedicated to doing that which it seems like this group is that's definitely always something that's going to uh be a hugely positive thing for this team
1: it really is and so you want to know who some of these new additions might be or at least who is in the running to be the next general manager this is what Woj writes the hornet search is expected to focus on several sitting general general managers Several sit like active general managers in the league right now.
3: Can they leave for a job in
1: season? I guess we'll have to figure that out. Maybe you can agree to it before you actually move on, but we're going to mm-hmm. have to figure that out because, again, I'll just read verbatim what Woj writes The Hornets search is expected to focus on several sitting general managers, including Philadelphia's Elton Brand, New Orleans' Trajan Langdon, Cleveland's Mike Gansey. And the L.A. Clippers' Trent Redden, sources said, Brooklyn's Jeff Peterson, Washington's Travis Schlink, and Sacramento's Wes Wilcox are among assistant GMs who will be in consideration, sources said. Peterson, Schlink, and Wilcox worked with the Atlanta Hawks when Schnall was one of the franchise's minority owners. Now, there are a couple of names that stick out more than others. When we had Jake Fisher on... He said there was something that we needed to pay attention to whenever this process inevitably would happen. And here's Jake Fisher talking about the thing to look for. He gave us a hint on who could be the next general manager.
2: I I don't want to say any specific names because I don't want that to inadvertently hurt someone's chances at getting that job because I think this is a sensitive subject being that there's a guy in place and we're talking about a potential future that doesn't include him. But one thing I'll say is that There's been some talk about several people who have Duke ties and Duke connections based off of that type of connection from from the ownership group. So there are plenty of executives in the league who have been uh, candidates, let's say, at recent positions that that fit that bill and guys who are number two guys around the league who are looking for an opportunity that are, are connected to that school and that program that I would definitely keep an eye on.
1: Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Uh-oh, what we got? We got more news
2: in the Charlotte area. They changed the uh, outcome of the Super Bowl.
1: That's what it is. San Francisco, now the real NFL champions, and Wes can celebrate. (laughs) And then Wes wakes up from his dream, and here we are in reality. It's official. Aaron Fern named Charlotte's 14th men's head basketball coach. As he should be. Officially. Aaron Fern has the comment, quote, I am beyond grateful to my family, the students, the fans and the community that has rallied behind us over the past nine months. Uh, So it's official. Aaron Fern is named Charlotte's next head basketball coach permanently after having the interim title on this way to a nine and two conference record. Good for second in the conference, only behind South Florida. And it's the biggest it's the largest amount of hope The 49ers basketball fans have had. They're feeling the fern. In quite some time. We are feeling the fern. Yeah. No doubt about it. Look, just to focus on this real quickly and then, you know, lots to get to. Lots, lots of breaking news here in Charlotte. And, of course, this on Super Bowl Monday, if you will. But Aaron Fern has done a great job. Here he is put in a tough situation. Ron Sanchez puts Mike Hill, athletic director, in a tough situation by deciding to go back to Virginia join Tony Bennett's staff again in June before the season starts. Once you have a coaching change that late into the off season, you have a 30 day window of the players that were supposed to be already cemented in place. Now they can go hit the portal if they want to. So now Mike Hill has to decide. Great. I'm in this tough position where I've got to go find coaches where they've already had their mind made up. Most likely on where they're going to coach the upcoming season, because this was already supposed to be over and done with. So now I have to go find whoever the next head coach is going to be. And I have to worry about losing all of the players in place right now and try to field a decent enough product because it's been a long time since 49ers fans felt good about their basketball team. And I'm I going to have to ask them to wait again. And so he talks to the players. He talks to different sources. Aaron Fern is eventually the guy and they don't lose anybody. They keep all of their players. And not only do they not lose anybody, just fielding a team felt like that was enough of a task for Mike Hill to try to do, but to put a winning team together, that was going to be something that was improbable, but here they are putting that together because of what Aaron Fern has done with the players in place. And now it'll be interesting to see what he gets to do when he starts hitting the recruiting trails and recruiting the types of guy that he wants as the head coach. And so can't wait to see it. The fact that you're doing it in this situation I only have faith that you can do it when you have a full season of knowing, hey, I'm about to be the head coach of a different squad.
2: Yeah, man. And so the thing is, too, man, for some of these Charlotte kids, kids from the surrounding areas that are real-deal hoopers, man, I wish they would consider – Charlotte. You know what I'm saying? We want to see in their heyday, they had some of those hometown kids. When you talk about Joby Thomas and some of those guys of the like, man. So I think that that's an opportunity for kids to be able to go into a program and redefine that place and bring it back to its former glory. There's a lot of talent around here. So hopefully, Fern can capitalize on that and go find some of the guys to continue what he's starting right now in charlotte
1: lots of unexpected round ball discussion on what is a super bowl monday we'll get back to the big game on the other side of the break it's the live wire with plenty of sound with josh fitty marlowe sports radio 92 7 wfnz